friends. Welcome back to Maya, my yoga audio. I'm your host, Megan Morgan. And we are back today with a landmark episode, episode 50. And can you believe we've gotten to 50 episodes so far? It's been two years. And so we're celebrating our 50th anniversary with a very, very special guest. I have Janice Angela Burt with us today. Some of you may know her in the popular community as Spanish Janice. She also teaches yoga classes in Spanish at times. So she's a yoga teacher. She's a motivational speaker. She's an author. She's a mom. She's a loving partner. She travels the world and she's here to share all of her exciting adventures with us and her most recent book, Breaking the People-Pleasing Habit. Janice, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on to the show today. Thank you, Megan. Oh my goodness. Just listening to you do that intro. <laughs> I'm like, I know why she has a podcast now. Your voice <laughs> is lovely. And um, yeah, I'm so excited to be here. And you know, I hope you know that I just love and adore you and everything that you do and put out in the community and just who you are. So thank you for having me on. Oh, you're so welcome. I always, and I know you do this too. I start to tear up sometimes talking with you. And I think it's a result of you doing the same thing, whether we're talking virtually or in person, both of us are very in touch with our emotions and are usually not afraid to like let tears come or be sad, be happy, be angry. And um, that was most recently, I had an experience with you um, earlier in the year where we both attended a book event at Athleta here in the Roseville area of California. And you read an excerpt um, from one of your previous books and I read an excerpt from um, mine. And the emotion in that room was palpable. And every single experience I've been through with you, whether it's been on Zoom or in person has been like that. And people really respond to your authenticity um, when it comes to that. So. I'd love if you tell people more about your experience of who you are right now, because I know you've been on the TEDx stage and you do motivational speaking all around the world. You teach yoga all around the world. But what is who is Janice right now? What's what's on your heart? What's on your mind? Well, just as you were saying that, I was thinking how far I've come, I guess, in that, because that was not me you know, many years ago, maybe even, I think my journey of transformation started about 10 years ago. And so feeling like, oh my gosh, I can show up. I can be authentic. I can speak from the heart. I can allow myself to be fully who I am and not feel like I have to pretend or hide behind this mask of what I think you want me to be, or this person wants me to be, or, you know, trying to people please and do all of that feels so liberating. So to be in this moment right now uh, feels amazing, not because I've arrived anywhere, but just because I have put in some hard work over the last 10 years to truly free myself from that prison of fear and of not good enough and to just walk into the essence of of who I am so you know before I used to apologize profusely for the tears for the getting choked up for the whatever it was that was happening at the moment it was like oh my gosh oh my gosh how ah, I'm being seen I'm gonna melt you know <laughs> and now it's just like, no, this is, this is me. And I just want to show up and I want to be me. And I want to encourage other people to also step into the fullness of kind of who they are and their authentic voice and share their message and their story with the world. So that's kind of where I'm at right now, which feels amazing and, and freeing uh, and, um, and fun. Because I get to show up on an interview like this and not be sweating bullets and stressed out, like, ah, am I going to say the right thing? Am I going to? It's like, 
it just is and i'm going to show up and we're going to have a great conversation and that part is lovely well and hot on the heels of that i remember at the book reading at athletic because you know you and i are comfortable with each other so even though this is being recorded the sense of nervousness is is lowered because we we know one another and we trust one another to be authentic but when you're in an unfamiliar space sometimes that can be nerve wracking, even though you're talking about something that's close to you and personal to you and you love. But I remember you pointing out your nervousness in that moment. Remember when we were at Athleta and you were like, because it's this information and what you're sharing is so vulnerable and there still is that sense. I'm curious if you would be able to expand on what it was like to speak at TED, what it's been like to headline a lot of these events um, that I've been seeing every time I go on Facebook or on social media, I'm like, oh, she's doing it again. And I think to a lot of people, it's like, oh, I love that for this person, but I could never see myself getting there. How have you walked yourself through each of these stages to get to that next level and, and wind up on a TED stage and wind up headlining these conferences where you've been a featured speaker? If you could tell us more about that. I would say, because I don't, necessarily um put my eggs in that basket of the result it's more just what's in front of me right now what is the next immediate step that i can take and showing up for that one showing up for whatever the next immediate step is because if i were to sit there and think i mean it's i, I want to have a vision so I'm not knocking having a vision. I think having a vision for something that you want to do is super important, mm -hmm. but not when you're just like, it's the be all end all is this ultimate result. And you're not able to live in this moment, you know? So it's kind of like having that goal, but holding it loosely and knowing like, oh, okay, yeah, it would be cool to speak on a TEDx stage. Now, what are the little baby steps that I could take just right now that gets me a tiny bit closer, maybe to that goal, you know, and then I don't feel so overwhelmed um, or so disappointed. Let's say if that thing doesn't happen, it's kind of like, you know, just what's the next step? What's the next step? And so even for the TEDx talk, I feel like I cheated a little bit in the sense that it was during more the pandemic. And so there weren't a lot of in-person things. So my talk was recorded and done virtually. So I didn't have the exact same experience of the nerves and the pressure of like being in front of the audience and that kind of a thing. Um, which makes me think, oh, that might be kind of cool. Maybe I'll in the future try to do one actually in person. But but yeah, I would just say it's the next the next step, the next baby step. Um, too many times I feel like we get so overwhelmed that we just don't take any steps or we just don't show up at all. And then for sure, nothing's going to happen, you know, if you're on that path. Would you say, I'm curious if your writing process and your experience of life led you towards wanting to be a speaker? Did that kind of flow organically or, or how did that come about? The, as far as writing the most recent book or what do you mean? Probably, I guess all of them, cause you have three books total, right? And I know they came out of your, you know, your personal life experience and wanting to share that with the world. And I'm curious if kind of unleashing your voice in that format with the written word led you to want to speak publicly or if they were more intertwined or did somebody say like, hey, you have an amazing story to tell. You should be on stage. I'm just wondering about that. No. So all of that happened. So I went through a divorce in mm -hmm. 2012. And so, yeah, that's 10 years ago. Crazy how time flies, too. I'm like, oh, my God, that's 10 years ago. Um, so I went through a divorce, super rock bottom moment. I was very much a people pleaser, codependent, didn't know who I was, felt scared to just exist in the world, basically. And but I just had this realization of 
you know, instead of doing this victim mentality blame thing that I was caught up in at that point, like it's his fault, it's his fault, this person, it's that. I was like, you know, but I'm kind of the common denominator in my own life. I am me, I'm here. What am I doing? How am I showing up in the world? So I decided that I was just going to walk through these fears that I had because I could tell I was so stuck and paralyzed in that fear state that it had just gotten really, really bad. So I thought, okay, I'm going to join Toastmasters. I'm going to start speaking because I need to, I knew I was holding too much in and I needed to express myself because like you said before, we're both very emotional human beings and have a lot of feelings. And I had gotten really good at repressing all of them. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, enough. I need to step out of that and I need to start expressing my voice and sharing my experience. So Toastmasters, where you learn how to public speak and, you know, share your story, I thought, well, that's a good place to start. So I joined Toastmasters, started speaking, and I told myself, when I join this, I'm going to show up authentically. I'm going to tell my story. I'm going to talk about some hard truths about my life that I felt were poison to me that I needed to express. And so I, for whatever reason, felt like this would be a good platform to do it. And it was a safe environment. You know, there's people there that um, it's kind of a small-ish group. So I felt safe enough to start sharing. And during that process, I had this realization of how detrimental it had been to not share my voice. And I would encourage other people as well, just there's something so powerful about speaking your truth. And I'm not saying everybody has to join Toastmasters and do it on a stage, but seeing a therapist, talking it out loud with a good friend, writing it down, mm -hmm. the expression of your truth and your story and those painful things are, it's so important and it truly did liberate me. So it kind of was hand in hand. I spoke uh, in Toastmasters about my life experience. And I remember the first time speaking about my dad and some things in my past with, um, relating to him, it's scary stuff. You feel like, oh my gosh, how can I say this out loud? And I think even at our book reading experience, I had kind of that, those fears that show up again. But I can tell you that that was part of liberation for me. Oh, when I think back to that time now, when you say you were going through your divorce in 2012, I moved to Sacramento in the fall of 2013. And that's when I met you because I met Leo and it was through Leo Hickman. And I remember him telling me that he was in Toastmasters because we were doing this yoga in the park thing. And that's how I met you because we were both teaching um, with him. Is that how you met Leo? Now I'm just curious. That's a side conversation because I know he I know, was involved. How, how the heck did I meet Leo? <laughs> By the way, amazing man. Um, it had to have been through some type of uh, networking or Toastmasters events. Um, but I cannot remember exactly where it was that I met him. But I do know when I turned 40, I decided on my 40th birthday, I was going to put on a self-love event. So I gathered some speakers and I think we donated whatever money for the entrance fee to a yoga um, group. And I had Leo was one of the speakers that came oh. in and spoke at this self-love event that I did when I was, yeah, so about five years ago. Um, but it's amazing the people too that you meet when you are walking in, in alignment with where you are, where you feel you know, like led or directed when you're going down that path, it's like, oh my gosh, these 
people just fall into your life that are like-minded and kind of on the same path. And it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm when I think about that timing, you two were some of the very first people that I met in Sacramento, like within my first month of moving here. And that will be nine years ago this fall. I can't, I, yeah, I know I can't get over it, but I'm thinking, wow, you, I had no idea at that time what you were going through personally. I just knew what I was experiencing of you as a person in that moment. I'm like, wow, like, you know, you just, people use this phrase a lot, but I do really mean it when I say like you light up a room, like it's very obvious that you're, you're engaged when you speak with somebody, you're like looking them in the eye and you're smiling from ear to ear. And I don't think there's a person in the world who doesn't appreciate being looked at and treated that way. And you, you have that for everyone. It's not just for me, right? Even when we're in group settings, I see you speaking with people and you're like looking at them or holding their hand or like talking to them really intently. And there's such a genuineness and authenticness to that. I just want to take a moment to thank you for modeling that example of, of love, like true human connection for people. And you've been like that since day one. So that's just one of the things that makes you so special. And I want to return to the yoga for a moment, because that is how we met was through this kind of community yoga teaching experience. So I I know you're also fluent in Spanish. You've taught um, yoga classes in Spanish, and you also travel to teach yoga. I wondered if you'd touch on that a little bit, because I love seeing your adventures and in acting. I think your acting takes you to um, different places, but how did you get involved um, or what, what can people do to find out more about travel teaching? Oh, and that's such, it's a cool, cool thing that I'm not sure how I found out about it, but it's called Fit Bodies Inc. Mm-hmm. If you go online and this woman just created an amazing business. And she basically would go to these resorts. Actually, the way it started, she went to a resort. It was an all-inclusive resort. And the yoga teacher there, the yoga teacher was (laughs) one that just, you know, was like a fitness instructor all around and didn't really know yoga per se. And so she was teaching it incorrectly. So this woman felt like, um, you know, if you do certain things and you're out of alignment, you can injure yourself and things like that. So she just mentioned to the manager, oh, you know, it might be a good idea to have somebody who's actually certified, qualified to teach yoga. So anyway, long story short, she got involved in this business where now, I mean, it is like all around the world, you can go to, you know, club meds, secrets, um, all of these all-inclusive resorts, and you, it's kind of an exchange of your services with a vacation. It's like a Mm -hmm. yoga teaching vacation, which to me, I'm like, how amazing to be able to incorporate two things that I love. And plus the one reason I started teaching yoga to begin with was because I know how to trick myself into doing things that are good for me (laughs) (laughs) because I knew how amazing yoga was for my mental, physical, and spiritual health. But of course, being a, a human being that I am, I was really good about talking myself out of actually showing up as often as I wanted to do it. So then I thought, well, if I'm teaching I have to show up. I have to go teach. I have to be there. So it was like a little trick, you know, that I played on myself. So it's even better because when I'm on vacation, I love incorporating some type of physical activity to my vacationing. You know, I just do better mentally when I'm active. Uh, But sometimes I'll get in that mindset of, oh, I'm on vacation. I'm just going to sleep in forever and like drink way too much and do all these things, you know, but then I end up feeling like, eh, not so great. Mm -hmm. So this way I can go and I teach every morning at this resort. I get to connect to people there. I get to feel good about myself. And then I have the rest of the day to like enjoy this amazing paradise. So anybody that teaches yoga or uh, they do Zumba, you know, different types of fitness classes. Check them out because it's a blast to go do that. And and having that balance in life of incorporating, you know, that work-life balance where it can really flow and just feel like it's all connected. Yeah, 
that's one of the, the things that amazes me about watching you flourish, you know, even up close and from afar is how you seem to, I'm sure there's moments of chaos, but you seem to seamlessly integrate all of these things. And I, I was hoping we could get back into talking more about your writing. Cause I know your, your newest book is doing so well. I don't know if you want to launch into more t- talking about that or beginning with the first two books that you wrote and leading, leading into that. But I just want to share with everyone um, how excited I am for, for your latest book and all your new adventures in, in life and more about that process. That's one of the questions I probably get the most from people when I talk about my book. They have a lot of questions like, how did you get to this point? How did you publish it? How did you go about doing it? What was it like writing it? Who did you get to edit it? And there's a lot of process questions, interestingly. Um, so I don't know if that's anything you would want to touch on, but also what the book is about, because I think everybody needs to read it. It's short, especially your last one. It's short and sweet. It's like six steps. Anyway, I'll let you talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, as far as the process, I would say for anybody thinking about writing a book, there is this for me, and I know everybody is different, but I feel like perfectionism holds us back from doing so much good in the world. And so my book is not perfect. I, and there are parts that irritate me because there are a couple typos in it and things where I just go, how did that happen? How did, but part of it is because I was just kind of pushing to get it out there because for me, it was more the message that I wanted to talk about than the perfection of my writing or the, um, yeah, that part. And even that, I feel like there is a balance to that. You obviously don't want to put out crappy work, you know, where it's just like, I don't care at all. And I'm just going to throw this out there. And, you know, you want to be diligent and mindful and, um, and, and put out good work. But I just feel like there's something about that perfectionist tendency that holds people back from impacting the world. So it more is kind of what is your intention with this Mm -hmm. book, with this message? Mm -hmm. And so for me, I, I signed up for a write your book in 30 days challenge. It cost me $99 because it was on my heart, like this concept of people pleasing. And because I had felt a certain measure of freedom from it and transformation that I was like, oh, I feel like I could share a little bit about what my process has been. And that hopefully will be helpful for some other people out there. So I'm like, but yeah, where do you start? Oh my gosh, how do how do you put together a book and and incorporate the stories and the points and all of that? So I was like, okay, I'm going to join this 30-day challenge. I joined it. I wrote a big chunk of it. And then I got really um kind of stuck in in like how does this flow? How do I do it? So I set it aside for I want to say like 7 or 8 months. Mm-hmm. Didn't look at it, didn't touch it, almost was just kind of like, oh, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. You know, that was like a cute little, <laughs> that was a cute little adventure. And then there was just something on my heart where it was like, just pick it up again, look at it again. So then I went through and did a little more of the analytical part uh, because the first 30 days was more that creative, like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm just going to go. I'm not going to think too much about what makes sense, what doesn't. I'm just going to get stuff on paper after, of course, doing an outline and such. And then I went back and did more of the analytical and the editing and putting together the steps and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So that was my process in it. But my main encouragement for people that are looking, that just have it on their heart, if it's a heart thing, uh, to follow that, first of all, and then to not get stuck in the perfectionism component, 
uh, and to get help. Outside help is a beautiful thing. Yeah. When, when you got to the point, do you want to talk about what the six steps are? Or sure. do you want people to read that more? I know the details are more in the book. Um, but yeah, just tell us the title, I guess. Yeah, the main six steps. Um, and, and what was the, the impetus that helped you? Because I'm not saying that they're right or wrong. I think they're brilliant. <laughs> but I'm curious what um, led you to this. What's the feedback been? Because I know you've hosted a couple of like virtual and in-person events like what's the feedback been to the book so far I mean fairly good because it is one of those books it's called kicking the people pleasing habit mm -hmm. a six-step approach so I kind of just broke down the last 10 years of my life I I had to kind of re look at my life and go okay here was my rock bottom here are the things that I did, and here is where I am now, where I'm feeling good and, and free, and I'm still learning every day, you know, I'll, I'll catch myself people-pleasing, saying yes when I don't really want to, and then being like, oh, that's interesting, hmm, you know, without that judgment or being critical on myself, just like, interesting, I did that, let's, let me think about that. And then just, I'm going to try better next time kind of a deal. But the first step, which is, has to be the first step, is choose awareness. Because without the awareness that what we're doing is people-pleasing, then, you know, there's no point in doing anything else because you just, <laughs> you're not seeing it yet, you know? Right. So you have to have the awareness before you do any, any of the other steps. And the other steps are not linear and, you know, it doesn't have to be this and this and this, like, I realized I kind of did all of them together, that flow that we were talking about in life, yeah. but um, it's choose awareness, identify and heal emotional wounds, which is a really tall order and a big one. Um, the third one is to, let me see if I can even remember these. Um, <laughs> so. We have that one. It's to develop or cultivate and develop self-love, which is huge. Um, establish boundaries is another one to decide and do. Mm -hmm. So that's the action. And then the envision and stepping into the highest version of yourself, which I know there was your story that I put into that chapter because I just, I love your story. And like I said before, who you are. And so your ability to be able to have these, um, these visions and these moments of seeing things in your life to then be able to step into the highest version of yourself, I felt like was such an amazing, great story to add in there. So I think I got all six steps. Yeah, you okay. did. You did really. And I was so, I was so honored again, that you had reached out to ask me about that. Cause I know you're book was really a collaborative effort in some senses. I mean, you wrote it, obviously, and it was your ideas, but you reached out to people in your life that you thought had a story to share that could sort of example the point you were trying to make, which I know for my brain, that helps me learn so much if I have an example to go by, because sometimes these concepts can seem really abstract, or you can't picture yourself in that situation. And hearing somebody else's story, for me anyway, always drives the point home better. And something I've been hearing a lot about, both from you um, and another guest who's been on the show two, a year and a half ago now, Quinn Yamamoto, she talks a lot, both of you talk a lot about codependency. And that was something I had, honestly, I don't think I'd ever even in, heard of it before, but in relationship to people pleasing and you bring it up in your book and you bring it up when you talk live, I wonder if you'd maybe bring like talk about that a little bit more for listeners because I know it was something I've not been aware of I didn't know what it was before the last year 
And it seems oh, related. It seems related. Yes. Oh, absolutely. It's this, it's this loss of self. So not having a solid sense of self and trying to get that through your connection to somebody else. So being super dependent on this other person in your life to fulfill you, to validate you, to have you believe that you're good enough in this world. So you're just waiting to either get their love, get their validation, to prove yourself to them so that you can then feel like a, a whole person, like you're loved, like you're valuable, like you're worthy. And it it really is a like a siphoning, you know, mm -hmm. a, a leech. I felt, I felt like like a leech. Like I just wanted to become kind of just be in my ex-husband's everything. Okay. And have him make all the decisions, have him um, just do everything is kind of what it ended up being um, in my marriage. And so I lost all sense of self, my voice, um, who I truly was, any of my values that I held dear I would just be like, well, I'm going to just set those aside because this is what he wants. This is what's going to make him happy. And in turn, then I'll be okay because that will validate me. So that was kind of where I was at in my life. And it's not, uh, it's just not anything I wish on anybody because it's, it's a sad place to be to feel like a shell of a person I mean I literally felt like there's no there's no me so working through that and and that I think is why I started doing such interesting things in these past 10 years and just exploring and being curious about life um because I had such a lack of a sense of self that I was like, I'm going to try, I'm going to try bodybuilding. I'm going to try to run a marathon because that seems impossible. I'm going to write this book. I'm going to start speaking. I'm going to play tennis or golf. I'm going to learn these new things. I'm going to act because that just sounds fun. And, uh, but I was too scared to do it before. So finding these things that made me feel alive, made me feel passionate, made me feel like I'm having fun, like life is an adventure. Oh my gosh, that that's so fulfilling. And then when I am in a relationship now with somebody else, I can show up for who I am, like, hey, this is me. These are the things I like to do. These are the things I absolutely do not like to do and I don't accept. And, you know, and then that other person can show up fully who they are. So part of it, I mean, I got married really young. I was 20. My ex-husband was 19. So we're figuring these things out together. And um, I just became very codependent. I'm understanding so much better now how those that interplay works in both in a relationship and for a person that was probably the best description I, I love it thank you so much for sharing that I think probably all of us to a certain degree if you're in any sort of relationship needs to investigate that a little bit not saying everybody has that issue but those tendencies that you described when it comes up rather than immediately finding fault or flaw with that other person, looking at where you are in the relationship, what your expectations are, what your sense of self actually is, and also within that relationship. That's super helpful. Yeah. Super and, helpful. and the feeling if you're clinging, I remember having this feeling of desperation. It's like I'm clinging as opposed to 
releasing, surrendering, allowing is such a different thing than like clinging, desperation, forcing. Uh, so just being mindful too of, of how you feel in that regard. Am I clinging desperately to a relationship, to a person? Um, and if so, just, you know, getting curious about that. Why am I clinging so much? Maybe there's, you know, that fear of loss, that fear of not being good enough, all of these different fears, and then working on deep breaths, you know? I mean, you know more than anybody, like those belly breaths and the sitting in stillness and just releasing and surrendering. There's, It's a different force inside, you know? It's a different feeling altogether. That brings me back to, <clears throat> you know, we talk about, yeah, concepts of yoga, anything that um, whatever you cling to is just going to run further away from, from you, whether it's a goal, right? Like if you have a vision, how we first started this conversation about um, becoming a public speaker and you're like, don't be too attached to the results. Just be like, hey, this is something that'd be interesting to try. Why don't I throw my hat in the ring? Why don't I take these small baby steps towards getting there instead of being like, I want to be a TEDx speaker and I'm going to just like <laughs> run everybody over with my car to make sure that I get in there. There's a very different approach to doing that than just, you know, taking these little bits of um, progress at a time and allowing things to unfold. And it's so hard because I know in our like go, go, go world and you know, you can get your book on Amazon in like two days, right? Which is a great thing for being able to access something that's going to help somebody. And you can get this book quickly. But when we take that approach to absolutely everything in our life, it doesn't work, right? Because you can't have that instant gratification. You can't instantly people please. You can't instantly become self-aware. These are all the, um, the works in progress. And to return to your book for a moment too, that's when I keep rereading sections of it because I feel like I need those reminders as I go through life. I don't feel like there's ever going to be a day, maybe when I like die for real, <laughs> when I'm finally on that final deathbed, um, that you might come to that sense of having arrived at some place. But I, I sort of feel like that's what life is, is figuring out how to navigate sometimes repeat cycles because you'll think you've mastered something and then it crops up again. And it's like, Oh, I got to do this work again. And so I don't want people out there to be like, well, how, like, how can she get to this stage? And I can't get to this stage. Like, why do I keep getting stuck in part two or part three? I just think it's kind of a formula or like a recipe that you can, a well-worn, you know, dog-eared thing that you keep returning to because it, it's a constant work in progress. And there's going to be, I mean, the pace of technological progress, humanity, the things that happen in our world, we're constantly forced to shift our position and like how we feel about things and how we're going to approach something. But we have to keep returning to these basics to figure out how we can respond. Anyway, that's, yeah. that's my thoughts about it. But that was so well said. And I think that is a hundred percent is like, let's go back to the basics to, you know, breathing deeply to drinking a lot of water to just sitting in the park somewhere and, you know, watching the wind blow the leaves around and, uh, there's something actually magical, I feel like, about being in that state, especially in the way our world is right now with technology. And, and this is something I talk to my kids about too, because just the state of frenzied angst and, you know, comparison and striving and forcing and trying to be like, and, you know, there's so much of that now that we're just inundated with that just taking those times to ourselves in nature, turning everything off and being present sometimes is becoming very um, rare, I guess. And yeah. so <clears throat> maybe 
we just have to keep doing it ourselves and and then speaking it out as far as like you know this is a little bit of a solution to that just feeling of go 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 and or just the depression the anxiety the uh those types of states of mind that I know a lot of people are struggling with and suffering nowadays. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you touched on uh, speaking with your children about this because I know, you know, you're a mom and you're in a, in a relationship with a partner. I am wondering if you'd tell us more about your evolution as a person, as a, as this constant work in progress, how that may or may not have changed things in relationship with with your children and the way you've spoken a little bit about um, with your partner, you know, allowing them to be the person they're going to be and having their boundaries and same thing with you. So you're better together as a couple. What about with your kids? I think there's a lot of our listeners have um, both young children as well as adult children. My kids are adult age, even though they're still like two and five in my head. <laughs> but um I think parents everywhere are kind of like, how does that fit in your evolution? How is that reflected in your relationship with your children? What what questions do they ask you? What kind of um, landmark moments have you, or not seen, have you seen or not seen in your relationship with them? Good question. Um, so my kids are 18 and 20, which okay. like you're saying is crazy I'm like they're adults <laughs> what the heck just happened I don't even know but I would say it's not even so much anything that they say it's more how I am showing up with them now is uh, I came from a, a house where there wasn't a whole lot of um being of presence that's the best way to put it of presence so I didn't really have that example of when somebody's like really listening to you or like you were saying like you're you're their universe right there if they're talking you're all ears you're all in you're like there for them so I didn't really have that as an example so when my kids were younger, I feel like I was really good at doing all the practical things for them and getting them here and get, but as far as being a good listener and just, just connecting to them, that's it. The connection, you know, like my heart is here. Your heart is here. We're connecting. I'm asking you questions. We're going deeper. That didn't start happening until a couple of years ago honestly, maybe, maybe two, two or three years ago, where I just really started realizing I'm not being present. And I'm, so even if I'm there, we're here, my mind is somewhere else, my, I'm not actively engaged. And I think as soon as I re had that realization, right, awareness, yeah. then I could start doing things um, to actually change that. So even now I'll find myself if we're having a conversation and I notice I'm distracted mentally and I'm just not really there or, you know, I'm more concerned about myself or, you know, what I want to say next or whatever that is, then I just go, okay, wait, be present, like tune in to your children's like hearts to to what they're going through like they are these precious human beings that you're not gonna have we feel like we're gonna have all the time in the world you know and I go that's just not the reality the reality is we're not and I don't ever want to look back and say man you just weren't really there so yes, working on presence, I think has shifted and changed our relationship. And I find them telling me more things, you know, yeah. um, being more, more engaged. I, I came also from kind of a judgmental background. So I just 
have really worked on removing any judgment um, or critical comments to my kids and just pouring love and encouragement into them. And I think that has been the biggest shift and, and a gift. I mean, yeah, for both of us, for, or for all of us, you know, I have two kids, so all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is so beautiful to hear. It's the number one lesson. I, uh, there's a quote from Toni Morrison, who's one of my favorite authors. And she said many years ago before her death, that when her kids were growing up, that the main thing she wanted to be concerned with and to share with other parents was, does your face light up every time they enter the room? And in a real life world, that's impossible, right? Because you're, when I think back to when my kids were little and we were commuting and we had these long hours, that's my biggest regret is that I didn't have more one-on-one present FaceTime with them. And I'm like, did I, did my face light up every time? And, you know, it's physically impossible, but if we aim towards having that, um, that kind of relationship whenever we possibly can, and that's essentially what you just said is just presence, just letting them know that you're there and you're listening and you're watching. Um, it doesn't mean everything has to be complimentary. Of course, you're raising children, right? There's going to be moments where, you know, things come up that are uncomfortable or they need discipline, or it's like, you still got to do homework. Like, you know, all that stuff comes up. Um, but, but those are the things that they remember. And I've started having as adults conversations with my kids for the times where I felt that I didn't like things that that I remember and going back and like preemptively apologizing. Like I remember this one time and 99.9% of the times they don't remember that. They're like, okay, mom, whatever, like it's fine. But I, I also want to take that step first without like waiting for them to, to come to me and also for them to know that it's okay for them to, to come to me with things that they remember they experienced so we can talk about it. Like you said, there's a lot I think in our families, historically, socially, it's like, we just don't talk about quote unquote negative things. And so all those feelings, all those experiences are invalidated for a lot of people because they feel like they can't, and it doesn't have to be World War II, World War III, like it can just be a conversation, but because it's been tamped down for so long, it becomes this big, ugly thing that we can't deal with. And so just being present for just that moment and what's happening right now between you and I, like it just can only, you can just make it be that moment. It doesn't have to be the 20 years that preceded it. So I absolutely, And it's yeah. always going to be how you make someone feel, you know, they're not going to mm-hmm. remember what you do. They're not going to remember what you <clears throat> say. It's how you make them feel. And so ultimately, yeah, that is the, the them feeling loved, them feeling accepted, them feeling encouraged. That's what I want to leave, you know, for my kids. And you're right. It is, it's a, it's different now that they're adults <laughs> versus, you know, when you're actively disciplining, I mean, not everything can be like, um, uh, an encourage, an encouragement. I mean, sometimes you have to say, Hey, no, that's not okay. We're not doing that. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but at this stage in my kid's life, um, yeah, there's something about love that changes people, not judgment. And, you know, I'm still learning that. Um, one of the most impactful moments I had during my yoga teacher training was during a meditation where I kept hearing this, uh, these words purge judgment and fill me with love. And it just kept repeating over and over, you know? Wow. My arms, the hair, my arms just stood up. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was, it was powerful because I, in my mind somewhere, there's something that says, no, but if you love, they're not going to change. If you love they're, they're going to keep doing these things that are bad for them. And they're going to, you know, and it's like, no, if you love people change, people transform people. Uh, it's like a, it's like a, a life vest, like a safety 
harness. It's it's um, it's the answer. I mean, for words don't even come to me, but I know just from personal experience that the judgment that I've experienced and also that I've given has not been helpful. It's it's been when I am loved that the mm-hmm. unconditional beautiful accepting love that has made me want to change and transform and show up more authentically and um more in alignment with who I truly am I I love that yesterday I was on a phone call with someone I'm working with who was walking around um, downtown San Francisco walking their dog while we were having this conversation and big cities being what they are and in San Francisco in particular, um, they passed a person in the middle of a confrontation. And you know how phones can be sometimes where even though the person wasn't talking to him or into his phone, it was like they were. So we're in the middle of conversation and all of a sudden I hear somebody, I mean, screaming, swearing, like the, I was like, what is happening? I thought he was being attacked. It kind of I had this moment where I wasn't sure if I should hang up and call 911. And he said, holy moly, yeah, that was that was intense. Yeah, I just passed this altercation on the street. I was like, are you okay? Like, were they talking to you? He said, no, it's outside of me. He said, it's, it's becoming more com- common. And he said, but you know, he said, I can see clearly it's because they're in so much pain. That person was in so much pain and they were just lashing out at this other person so that the public around them would recognize and somebody would pay attention and somebody would do something even if it was just a look he had this profound realization even in that moment where it felt like you know he could be in danger or you know be getting in the middle of something violent he could still see that it was just like this is a person in pain and i was just so blown away because i feel like that's all of us in some in some way, shape, or form, we're trying to work through our pain. And it may be uh, not done in the best of ways sometimes, but we're we're handling it in the best way that we've got. And I I sort of feel like your your book for as many people, I know it's available on Amazon, right? Six. Right. Um, I feel like those steps, just taking it one at a time is a way for people to process, to acknowledge and process and work through their pain in the best way that they possibly can um, one step at a time and that there there may be no gate of ultimate arrival but like you can take these steps to be more present every day even in in your own life right like starting with showing up in your own life and controlling what you do and how you respond and um, I know it's there's extenuating circumstances for many people um, who are in different life situations than we are that may make that more challenging. But I think you've done an incredible job of, of highlighting where we all can start regardless of, of where you are in life. So I wanna thank you for that. I feel like your book and you as a person are just such an immense <laughs> public service and more people need to be aware of, of the work you're doing and the things that are available to them that don't have to cost you know thousands of dollars. and you know, if you can get to therapy, that's amazing. If you can take some yoga classes, that's amazing. But there's somewhere for everyone to start. Yes. Oh my gosh. So well said. And yeah, I don't have all the answers. I don't claim to have all the answers. I I just, whenever I get too distraught by the world around me, by, you know, negative circumstances and things going on, I just say, okay, wait a minute. What is in my power to control? I am in my power to control. And that's kind of about it, honestly. So I go, okay, this here, you know, instead of you know, blaming and I have a solution for you. I have a solution for you. This is what you need to do. What do I need to do? Because like you said, it's, it's an onion. It has layers and, you know, I can peel back back several layers and there's going to be other layers and I'm going to feel stuck in certain areas. I'm going to feel 
maybe you know hatred in certain areas judgments all of these things and that's that is my mission in life is just to keep bringing the focus back here back to me what can i do how can i show up bigger how can i love more authentically and genuinely uh and that's that's what helps me in in this world that we're living in because it is overwhelming and there are there's so much going on um that's negative and sad and and horrible like some horrific things yeah so whenever i get too distraught by that i just come back i do what i need to do and and then hopefully from that self-love that I'm working on internally, then it's just, it's not forced. It There's just an abundance of, of it for the world, for those people that cross my path. So that's kind of the way I am working on showing up in the world. Yeah. And it's a, it is, it's truly a gift then when people can witness that, experience that, right? Even if they're not in the, in the place in their life to, to be like that, it changes something. I truly believe it does to be in the presence of, of someone like you. I'm, I'm curious if there's anything you have going on where, like, if you're teaching any upcoming classes, or if you're speaking about your book, or if you have any speaking engagements or travel tours (laughs) where people can engage with you and, and where are, the best places for people to find your book and to just to learn more about you and to connect with the work that you do. Yay, absolutely. So one event that is coming up that I'm really excited about, it's called the Go All In Fest. So I'm uh, one of like 20 speakers and it's in Phoenix, Arizona. It's going to be a one day conference led by a woman. Her name is Nim Stant. And she's amazing. You would love her. She also teaches yoga and she's a TEDx speaker. She's really just an incredible human being, which is the reason I wanted to be a part of this particular event. So that's in November. Um, And then I, let's see, I'm subbing at a couple local places here in Sacramento as far as yoga goes, but nothing Mm -hmm. set. Uh, the book is on Amazon, and then you can find me at JaniceBurt.com or SpanishJanice.com. Mm-hmm. And I can't get rid of the Spanish Janice. It's just, <laughs> it's too, it's just like me, you know, I just, I love that name. So even though not everything I do is in Spanish, um, some of my identity definitely is wrapped up into Spanish and, you know, Mexico, the language, Latin America, all of that. I just, I love. So yeah, that's where you guys can find me. And, and I just, again, want to say, Megan, I, I wish I could be in your space more and do more (laughs) things with you because I love you and how you show up and how you impact and your work ethic uh everything it's it's very inspiring encouraging it makes me feel less alone in this journey of life just to have you in it so yes i i soak up like these treasured moments where we can see each other and do stuff i'm like it's it's water to my soul you know oh i feel the same same way i've been thinking about this all week and i've wanted to have you on the podcast forever like since I started it when I started I made a list of everybody and I had over a hundred people on the list and the guy you were on there and the guy I was working with was like oh usually people I you know work with they struggle to come up and I said oh no I like Leo as well we've connected we just haven't found a time yet to get him on here but there's just so many amazing people in this world to connect with and you are so one of them and I I feel that and mean that from my heart so same back at you sister (laughs) thank Thank you so much for being here today and for all you do so listeners please um share this conversation if it's impacted you 
or if you think it will impact somebody in your life who needs to hear more about what Janice is talking about, she's got a great YouTube channel as well as her websites and she's on all the social media channels and you'll probably see her at a public speaking event near you very soon. I will post all the links to her channels in the show notes for this episode and we'll be posting on my.yoga.audio on Instagram as well as on our website at myyogaaudio.com with all those links as well. So in the meantime, everybody, it's always a great time for your mind and your body to be on the mat. Thanks for being here with Janice and I on My Yoga Audio.